do you want to do this um, exercise with me? It's actually quick. Like, it takes a few seconds. Sure. So lay your hands like this on your on your thighs. And then when you like breathe, this? yeah, just, just like palm facing up. And then when you breathe in through your nose only, you're going to tense up your hands into a fist and tense up every muscle in your body and just really tense everything up. You, your stomach, your core. Hold it uh, at the end. Hold it. Hold it. And then with two out, outward breaths from your mouth like this, open your hands and relax everything. Okay. And then, and then you could do like three of those to just release all tension. But it's important for you to tense up as you inhale. Okay. And then hold it at the top as long as you can. And then. Okay. So go one, two, three. And feel every fiber in your body. Feel your stomach tensing up and everything's getting rigid, solid as a rock. Feel the shaking of your body with all that tension. Release it all. Oh, you crazy! You must be crazy! I'll show you crazy! Listen, I don't know about these other guys, but we are like a superhero. No? We're like, we're not crazy! Everybody knows you never go full retard. Muhammad is the most commonly used name on earth. Read a fucking book for one. Did you get that memo? Yeah, I got the memo. Picasso is dead! Walt Disney is dead. I'm dead. Steve Jobs is dead. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Welcome to the Mentally Gone Podcast. What's up, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Mentally Gone Podcast. This is episode number 41. Um, it's been almost exactly two months since we recorded our last episode. And um, and we've had a conversation beforehand. Um before I get into that, sitting across from me is <laughs> Gabriella Lowe. Yeah, uh, as you guys can tell, I'm a little rusty because it's been a little while. But um, prior to us sitting down, we just agreed that we are not going to give you guys a sob story every time we turn on the cameras, every time we turn on the microphones, because I feel like that just um, is a version of shooting ourselves in the foot, kind of, you know, because it just creates this weird atmosphere of us kind of owing something to the world and feeling ashamed and feeling guilt for not delivering on that stuff so instead of viewing it like that we're just going to view this as a blessing of just being able to sit down here once again and talk to you guys and also view as a blessing the fact that there are many people who despite us not being consistent by any metric are still hanging around are still asking questions we had People in our Instagram DMs, in our YouTube comment section asking what happened to us. Is everything okay? Why did you guys disappear? One <laughs> yeah. person even asked, did the Illuminati get you guys? No. Which is, you know, uh, all plausible. And I'll just um, blink a few times in Morse code. <laughs> no. And I'll, <laughs> but no, like um, in all seriousness, uh, it's just been life, you know, L life has been what it is. And we've done what we could. We've gone through very tumultuous parts, I guess, of our journey, of our own individual journey, of our journey as a couple, of our journey as life partners, our journey as everything. Uh, my mom, like like two weeks ago, 
She uh, got into a pretty bad car accident. The car flipped a few times, landed with four wheels up. So I, you know, um, it's very selfish to say, but I had to deal with that, you know, uh, even though it happened to another person. But it's very similar to what happened at the end of last year with Gabriella and her brother. And so it's just a series of, which I think is a great metaphor. Like life is just a series of car accidents. Yeah. And what matters the most is recovering from each wreck and just walking again, you know, just walking in light, walking in faith, whatever you believe in. And uh, yeah, but personally, um, I've been going undergoing because I'm still currently undergoing a very intense spiritual transformation for me personally. And I can only speak for myself and I'm going to try my best to put it into words as we do this podcast, I feel like it is my obligation and my life purpose to sit down and be in front of a microphone, be in front of a camera, uh, in order to really disseminate ideas and messages that I may receive through my meditations, through my discoveries, through my own personal emancipations, mental emancipation, spiritual emancipations, and that's what I'm going to do moving forward. And so I come to you now, um, it, whether you're watching or you're listening, I come to you with just full disclosure on what's been happening with me. And I'm going to hopefully try to share as much as I can without necessarily indoctrinating anybody. That's never my goal, has never been my goal. But I do want to share what I've learned because I feel like all of it is positive and it's potentially life changing because it's changed my whole outlook, my whole um, ideology, my whole way of looking at life, my whole way of understanding what God is. I, I think that already at the time of our last episode, I was someone who was agnostic, meaning I I've always felt that there was like a higher power, but I never really believed in God per se. Like I've always just responded to people asking like, do you believe in God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and savior? I would always say that I am agnostic and I believe in something, a higher power, but I don't believe in subscribing to any inst institutionalized religion. And that was always my response. And today I realized that every religion was right in multiple different ways. Um, Today, I realized that Jesus Christ was very much real, was very much enlightened. He was an enlightened being in my eyes. He was a yogi. He was a master. He was a Buddha. Um, but I feel like there are lessons that these messiahs, these prophets carry. And I feel like the message has gotten very contaminated by the need for power, the need to control people, the the need to... Yeah, just like to control, you know, it's been weaponized by institutions. And that's why I'm still against institutionalized religions. But I'm all for the messages that these, you know, spiritual leaders, these star seeds kind of disseminated and kind of entrusted us with. And some of them, to me, um, you have uh, Jesus Christ, you have Buddha, you have Gandhi, you have an endless line of just mentors and just people who came before us. And recently I came across a, a mind blowing documentary that I highly recommend. And, and I'm not going to take too much time. I know that I like am monopolizing right now, but it's because it's been a while and then I'm gonna let you take the helm because it's <laughs> I'm been gonna a while. let you finish. Yeah. I'm gonna let you finish, <laughs> but hold on. Um, so last night I, I encountered, I had a direct 
encounter with a yogi named Yogananda, which uh, he's the author of a very famous book, which I had never heard of until last night, and I actually ordered it on Amazon, but a very powerful book called The Biography, the Biography of a Yogi. And I just want to say that I recommend that to people who are interested in spiritual enhancement and just uh, spiritual emancipation. I also recommend a documentary. And this one, I recommend you watching it first because this was one of the life-changing ones for me. It's called Inner Worlds, Outer Worlds. And it'll essentially encapsulate everything that I've learned and felt through my, through my individual meditations and spiritual experiences. Yeah, and I also watched it, but I'm still kind of sitting with it. Yeah. But there is a lot of interesting things to take away from it and it does kind of open your mind. I don't want to say third eye. <laughs> but it does open your mind to just like you know how the universe is like what the universe is and what is within the universe and who and and that we are the universe. Yeah. You know, we are each like us ourselves are our own individual universes kind of and and also part of the grander universe in a strange way but yeah i'm still sitting with it um uh i don't really have much to say about you know like i it's so weird because we were talking about it yesterday and then i was like kind of saying you know think about like music artists who take like three years to give you a new album. And mm. so I know that podcasts are typically like you get one every week or some people do multiple like Joe Rogan. And in our case, it's been like, without even realizing it, it's been one every month. Yeah. And so I just looked at it as like, that's okay. Because even though we, we've always like, it's always added to the pressure for us that we like owe it to everyone listening, you know, to give mm. them a podcast. But we also owe it to ourselves to just deal with life. And so, and, and also like in this time, we've kind of been doing uh, a different kind of podcast, which is just like analyzing movies on our reaction channel. And we've been doing that every week. And so like... I think that it was kind of necessary to step away from this podcast. Yeah. Uh, just to figure out what we want to continue talking about on it, mm. you know, because I think that with everything that you've like been experiencing and just like everything that I've just been feeling towards life and stuff that things just change and we don't necessarily want to keep talking about the same things. And so I think that that's, that like it was important to kind of just take a step back and then and and I, I hate to use the word unapologetic because I am apologetic about it but it's like again sometimes things are necessary to do and that's okay and that's part of like everything that we've also been talking about it's just being okay it's like not everything is in your control and that's yeah. okay yeah. And that's it. And just making peace and moving on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to what you just said, I just want to also add on to it and say that I at, at multiple points and I and and I think it started getting more intense towards the um, the publication of our previous podcast, though, one previous to this one. Uh, I was just getting to this tipping point 
where I just started to stop and just question and just ask myself, like, am I misusing the influence that I have? And that's not to say that I'm that we have Joe Rogan level influence or anything like that, but we do have a considerable audience already built on multiple facets of just entertainment. And I just found myself really thinking and just asking, like, what do I want to do with this opportunity, with this platform that I have? Do I want to be yet another mouthpiece for fear mongering, for um, negative thinking, for uh, shedding light on things that are negative? You know, like, for example, do I want to just have a podcast that focuses on satanic symbolism? Do I want to have a podcast that just focused on Freemasonry? Like, what do, like, what do I want out of all this? And so I had to take that time. I, I, I took all that time to really, really just find myself, as corny as that sounds, but also find God, as corny as that sounds nowadays, because people scoff whenever anybody mentions the name God or they mention religion. But that's essentially what I found, I think. And I'm... It's it's going to take me multiple podcasts to even start scratching the surface of things that I've experienced, of things that I now believe, because I have to figure out like what's the best way to kind of disseminate it into these episodes. I don't want to become a pragmatic person. I don't want to become a person that claims to know the answers to the universe or or know the answers of God and the and the greatest mysteries of life and the answers of life and death. But I do have inklings that things that I've learned through meditation and through consuming these different outlets and these different types of media, I do believe that I have an inkling of what it might truly be. That's not to say that it's the absolute answer, but I think that I am slowly but surely learning the ways of this life. And one of the reasons why I am here right now is because I now realize that this is the quote-unquote weapon or vehicle that I will be using to instill in every listener and viewer some form of change or at least spark something. Like maybe something I say, something I recommend, like you guys go and check it out, and then it kickstarts your own process of self-discovery, of spiritual awakening or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But that's all just to say that moving forward, we are still going to be talking about a lot of the same things that we already spoke on. But I'm also from my end, I'm going to be sprinkling in things that I think everybody needs to really think about. And, you know, what's interesting is I think that it's so important that we address that, too, because we like we have talked a lot about, you know, symbolism that was used and different, you know, imagery that we've seen and we've pointed it out whether it was satanic or or illuminati or whatever else and then to like i think that it's important for us to speak on why our symbols used so we can't like we could be just like everyone else and we could tell you whatever like what everyone could see if they pay enough attention to which is these symbolisms and these imageries and these things that are in a lot of the media that we consume um, but I think that first and foremost, like, or at least simultaneously, we have to talk about why are symbols used? Where do these symbols come from? What do these symbols really mean? Mm. And I think that that's like where, what, like, that's like the first, well, it has to be addressed at some point. So just pointing out these symbolisms, like everybody does that now. It's like 
everybody posts it and and a lot of people don't even know what it's actually resembling or what it means or and i think yeah like that's that's definitely going to be a goal if we ever and because we will (laughs) and we probably will today um but it's just like talking about you know the reasonings and the explanations and not just the thing itself kind of right because look like full like full disclosure right and i feel disgusted of myself when i think about this but it's the truth and and it's important because part of the process of of emancipating oneself is recognizing what you have done good and what you have done that's not good in this life like through your experiences and your contacts with the world and with other people with yourself and one of the things that i feel disgusted of myself for 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 being guilty of is taking advantage of of hypes yeah right it's like oh like doja cat for example she she released a brand new music video it's filled to the brim with satanic imagery she's literally depicting herself as a horned figure with black eyes and and there's a lot going on she she removes her i believe it's her left eye and there's a lot of like one eye symbolism it's filled to the brim normally we would dedicate this podcast to breaking that down to pointing out just how crazy and satanic it is and just how dark and eerie the vibe is and we would have done that just like we did with the rihanna umbrella music video and we broke it down but to what you said it's like that's just us being every other podcast Mm. that's just us being every other tiktoker every other instagrammer conspiracy theorist conspiracy theorist it's just to me that's fear-mongering you know even if you have some people in the comments saying, thank you so much for shedding light on this, you know, uh, Jesus is coming. And like all those comments are very much welcome. And we do appreciate this positive feedback. But my point is, it's not enough to just shed light on something that is obviously blatantly evil or has an essence that is kind of trying to instill certain um, understandings and certain messages into your brain subconsciously. But I think that what's necessary is to have people in this day and age who offer you, along with the shedding the light, offer you ways of combating darkness. So weapons, tools that you can use, metaphoric weapons, obviously, which we're actually going to discuss one of them um, in this podcast as well. But that's my point. It's like, what's the reasoning behind it? What's the real symbolism? Not just the superficial ones. Like, oh, this is dark and satanic. Like, what's the real reasoning behind it who does she work for who's controlling her who's benefiting from this you know what is it doing to your subconscious was what is it doing to your soul what is it doing to your vibration to your energy to 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 your chakras to your inner energy to your outer energy like what is it doing and i don't think enough people are tackling that and so that's what we aim to do yeah exactly exactly that not just sure. on this episode like all <laughs> yeah, podcasts for, yeah. for every episode to come right, every, so, whether it's every month by the way we're not gonna yeah. put a we're not gonna put any every day every day we're gonna <laughs> yeah do we're not gonna make any promises um because another thing is that a lot of like as you could tell a lot of thought goes into this like we had to preface this episode with how long has it been like 15, oh it's been like 20 minutes. minutes oh i thought it was 15. yeah it's like 15 without the intro um but yeah like we you know we obviously are prefacing this with all of this information because it's like that's how much we care about what we're yeah like what putting we're doing out yeah right. so 
because because I'm just tired of being the podcast that that just finds little things that will go viral. Because again, like I feel disgusted to admit, but at the beginning, especially like we were trying to come up with like uh, click, not clickbaity, but like clickable moments. It's like TikTokable moments, viral yeah. moments. Like what's a viral moment in this episode? And so I found myself just being part of this machine, which is not the rule. Like it's not the it's not the answer. So like. If you, you find the it, answer sway. Yeah, like if you find this podcast boring, if you find it this or that, like that's up to you. But what I am going to make sure every single time is that I come with what I know is necessary to deliver. It's like I'll always bring what's necessary. And and on my end, look, like I'm never going to act like I know what someone is trying to, you know, relay or portray because I feel like that's what I was doing too. It's like, oh, it looks satanic, so it is satanic or yeah. whatever the case. It's like if it is, it is. But my point is I'm... Like, I want to just approach everything where I question. Yeah. Like, I just question. I'm curious. And and even, like, weigh out different possibilities. It's like, yeah. maybe it's this, but maybe it's this. And just, you know, it's like, I never want to put a label on anything, especially if, like, I'm not that person. I'm not the person who created this. How do I know? Yeah. Like, what do I know? Who am I to say like where where did I get the power to decide that this is it and mm. that's it? Yeah. So like I'm gonna approach it just trying to make sense of it through my own interpretation and then that's it and then just yeah. that's all. But yeah, yeah. And another thing that that they usually teach, right? The um, spiritual teachers and like leaders of the past is that they've always said that you can't force a horse to drink from the water you can only lead a horse to water the decision to drink of the water has to always come down to the horse itself and so it comes down to your individual uh, uh, bandwidth i guess of assimilating uh, these new ideas if you're open enough to assimilate new ideas if you're open enough to question things that you know that otherwise you would have just taken as as just solid as just like I don't know how to explain it, but essentially the idea is to let go of everything that you thought you knew and then be open to learning what actually is real. And so that's starting with this episode, episode number 41. That's going to be the new direction of Mentally Gone is that we're going to cover everything. Like like I have a few things that happened recently that I, that I also want to cover, conspiratorial stuff as well, but we're also going to really work hard to change the world in a substantial way and not just have enough views and clicks and money for ourselves to, to thrive in this podcasting business. Like I want to, even if it comes at the sacrifice of those things, I want to just really feel fulfilled in what I'm conveying and doing. Yeah. So with that being said, do you want to jump That's into... That's what I was going to say. With that being said, let's roll into episode 41. Episode 41. Okay. So speaking of interpret like interpretations and stuff, uh, do you want to kick us off or do I kick us off? You could kick us off, I think. You could kick it off. Kick it off. Kickoffs. Right. What is that? Football? I yeah, don't kick watch offs. football. <laughs> so we're going to be touching on one of the biggest things that I feel like every single person watching and listening to this needs to understand. It's like basically like when you go to school, right? Like they uh, have have uh, what do you call those things? Uh, prerequisites. So this is like a, a necessary fundamental prerequisite for you to understand anything conspiratorial wise, like anything that the media is pushing onto you 
or that you feel you're being coerced, like this is a necessary precursor for you to really understand everything. And that is to say that we are going to be discussing how mass media shapes and molds our society and how it started, who were the influential minds behind it, what was their their intention. And you're going to realize that television, tell a vision, channel, channeling, program, programming, all these things were designed to indoctrinate and to force ideologies into your brain, into your subconscious, and to morph the human being in a predictable and controllable fashion. And that's what we see increasingly today. We see death scrolling, you know, which is a new term for TikToking. And that I, I found myself even recently going down that rabbit hole of just mindlessly scrolling through stuff. That's a form of just zombifying and and just coercing the population. And we're we're gonna use like actual figures who have yeah. stated these things about what they do and how they manipulate the masses and how they manipulate just everyone essentially. But um, what was I gonna say? Oh shoot! <laughs> it slipped my mind. That's oh okay. my gosh! Oh go. oh. I was going to say and um, and how they use us basically as like uh, guinea pigs for experiments. Yeah. And so that like that's going to be interesting. But it's but none of this is false because it's been said like yeah, verbatim by these people is my point. So that's yeah. the craziest part of it. Like we have quotes from <laughs> these uh, thought leaders that are responsible for creating the television and creating media and mass media in general commercials yeah commercials and all that good stuff and i will preface by saying this too every form of media is a form of indoctrination it's all designed whether you want to realize it or not to either coerce you towards the path of enlightenment or towards the path of ignorance so things like, for example, pornography is free, right? But it's not free because it keeps you in that low vibrational realm of existence, that low frequency existence, because is it, it is a car purely carnal act. There is no love involved. You have no love for the random cheeks that you are watching or the random penis that you are watching on screen. You have no love associated, no love attached to it. You don't know the person. And so it is an act that is stripped of any and all love. It is purely lustful. And that's why it's one of the lowest forms of spiritual practice. It's it's anti-spiritual, if anything. And so like that's just one example. And so then you have these um, people, these celebrities especially, that make themselves a sex symbol. And that's also purposeful. It, there's a reason behind that, you know. And it kind of um, teeters into the realm of, worshiping of false idols and just worshiping idols and worshiping things outside of oneself. All worships should be directed inward. Uh, even if you are a God-fearing person, if you are a lover of Jesus Christ, you are doing a disservice to any religion that you subscribe to by always looking outwardly when it comes to times of worship. You should be doing internal worship, internal understanding, internal meditating, internal search, and you will find everything that you need. All the answers are within. And that's what Jesus kind of like taught too. Like he taught the way of the yogis. Like he was a yogi in my eyes. He taught, uh, you know, Vedic mysticism. He taught all these things, you know, on how to just basically conserve your energy, elevate your frequency, achieve 
uh, Christ consciousness, which is just another term for the crown chakra, which is above the third eye chakra, right? So it's the last part. And there are seven chakras. And in every Renaissance painting, you'll see little hints and messages. And Leonardo da Vinci was another star seed, in my opinion. He was another uh, incarnation, if you will, of Jesus. Like he was another Buddha. And he disseminated these clues throughout every painting of his. And so all that to say that media is always going to be like, like there's always going to be like a polarity to it, like a duality. It's either going to be good for you or bad for you. If you watch a YouTube video that teaches you how to meditate, then that is good media. If you watch one that that shows Cardi B uh, shaking her ass and touching her private parts and, you know, making you want to, you know, touch yourself or whatever, then that's then 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 that's anti-spiritual. It's, it's true, though. It's true. It's Whoa. it's it's all a mission to to bring you back to the lowest frequency. And that's why they put all of that bullshit in your foods, fast food, Red 40, Taco Bell, everything's so cheap and accessible. Everything comes quick to your door. It's all by design. Yeah. The lowest frequency is where they want you. And there's a large chance that you are stuck in that space right now as as you're listening to this. And so over time, like I just want to share things that has helped me not only kind of relinquish myself from the deep depression that I found myself in for like over a year span, like continual depression, continually depressed. I kind of like lifted myself out of this space, out of the darkest space I've ever been. And then I just found pure light. And that's what I'm going to kind of like try to teach whoever wants to hear. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I just let Callie talk, I yes. guess. Because he's kind of, he's not even talking to me. He's talking to you guys. So yeah, because I don't really have much to, like, um, I don't have much to add in those parts because it's like already things that him and I have. I already talked about too. Yeah, yeah. Which is what I told you before, even like recording again. Uh, uh, like, it's going to be very important for me to just turn to the camera at times and just talk directly into the camera. <laughs> that's because, what I'm going to let you do. Yeah, because like, that's part of what I have to do. Like, that's part of my calling. And I have to communicate directly with you guys. And that's why if you're listening to this, and you and you only listen to this, maybe it'll be helpful to also watch it because then you have like a real connection with the podcaster being me and with the influencer with the person behind the the thoughts it's not enough to just listen like you have to establish a connection with the person you know <laughs> yes. you said with the podcaster being you and then i'm just here no guys. no 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 <laughs> like i just met like a podcaster I know, you know i'm just kidding yeah. I'm, like, I'm just here for a good time not a long time you know i yeah. I'm just here quoting rappers <laughs> left and right. All right. So oh, jumping gosh. into how mass media shapes and molds our society. Um, we know that mass media is the most powerful tool used by the ruling class, the elites, <clears throat> to manipulate the masses. It shapes and molds opinions and attitudes and also defines what is normal and what is acceptable, especially at a young age. If you go to school and you're you know, like you see your friends having a certain type of clothes, having certain toys, it coerces you into asking your parents and then you adopt that same thing because of hive mentality of ways of thinking. And yeah, um, and it's interesting because um, hold on, sorry. Do you want, do you want me to continue? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll jump in though. All right, all right, so just tell me whenever you want to jump in. 
Um, so we are going to be introducing and kind of discussing and shedding some light on the main scholars in the field of mass communications. And um, we are going to understand why certain celebrities and certain people are always the item of conversation amongst conspiracy theorists. Like it's very easy for us to focus in on Beyonce and Jay-Z. They're the leaders of the Illuminati, Lady Gaga, Doja Cat. But we have to understand not what the puppets are, but who's the puppeteer? Like who are the people controlling these people? And understand that these people serve only as vehicles for messages and they're just messengers. And so we can't shoot the messengers and that ties into what you said. It's like, who are we to judge? Yeah. You know, people want fame and fortune and then they finally achieve it, but it comes at a cost of selling your soul. And what I've realized selling your soul, it's not, it's not like the devil character comes at night, gives you a contract, you poke, prick yourself and you sign it in blood. It's not literally like that. Selling your soul is just selling your opportunity in this lifetime, in this incarnation to enlighten more people, other souls. And because earth is a form, in my opinion, of a purgatory realm where souls come to get purified because the human existence is very, very, very painful. And so it's a purification process. And mm. so you're going to continually reincarnate until you understand all these principles of enlightenment until you become an enlightened being and you help others also get there and that's why eastern philosophy <laughs> is the way eastern mysticism i highly recommend looking into that stuff and and it's crazy because you would think that a lot of people would pay attention to to this right like the idea of what is being shown to us and mm. what is it that we consume on a daily basis and yeah. what is its purpose but that slips a lot of people's minds like if you think about it we ha like especially in this day and age we have like movies and radio and and um uh television newspapers news and all of, like all this other stuff and with social media and it's literally a science like yeah. they they there are people behind this mm -hmm. who have constructed this this way of reaching m millions of people essentially billions even yeah. but there there is a group that or whatever there are there are people who have like brought this down to a science who have literally like i said used us for experiments of what works in garnering the attention of, of the population. Yeah. And so I think that that's like the craziest thing is like we just tend to overlook it and we, we become just so invested in everything that we see and read and hear and we we overreact or, or we react very quickly and then we're on to the next thing and we react to that thing and we're on to the next thing and it's just like this perpetual cycle. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, like I just think it's so crazy that it's like not a lot of people even really see it that way. Like they're just so focused on the thing itself that that they're painting out for you mm -hmm. and then not even paying attention to why it is that you're, you're constantly bombarded with all of this information all the time. And the way I see it too is just like you said, like it's just being bombarded by information, right? I think that human that every human society has a choice at its inception, at its like, uh, not, not inception, at its conception, at its infant stage, it can go down two different routes, one of two different routes. One route is the route of knowledge and one route is the route of wisdom. Mm -hmm. The ancients and some 
cultures who have remained kind of pure from Western influence, like cultures in India, cultures in China, cultures in Japan, ancient cultures that 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 still continue to relay the valuable information, the valuable wisdom from the ancients, and they you know relay it and they transfer it from uh, master to pupil, and that these are cultures of wisdom. Right. But just because there are cultures of wisdom, our science, which in my opinion also sounds a little bit like seance, it's like a it's like a brainwashing thing. Right. Like it's like a not not a brainwashing thing, but it's kind of like a trance that science puts you in. Right. Science puts you in this trance that it emboldens you and and deceives you into thinking that you understand everything. Mm. Because you understand the outside world, like you understand what water is made of, you understand the nature of this specific bird, you understand the nature of this rock, you understand space, you understand, you think that you understand. But the irony is that knowledge, although useful to prolong our existence and to help us in like medicine and all that stuff, science is good, but it also blinds you from the wisdom that you obtain only by only through introspection. So what I'm trying to communicate, and hopefully this is making sense to someone out there, but it's like there are literally two roads. And I think that our society is screwed or beyond repair at this point, maybe, because we ventured too far down one road and never accounted for the balance that is necessary to be found between the two. So we don't balance knowledge with wisdom. We just intensify and just focus even more on knowledge and knowledge of the outside world of externalities will lead a man nowhere nowhere absolutely nowhere it's like all you'll be is just a person with information in your head and one of the reasons why we touch on a lot of like musicians for example because here's like a different facet of understanding right understanding this world that we live in in the ancient traditions of the east it has been understood for thousands of years that all is vibration nada brahma the universe is sound that is literally the term used nada brahma the word nada means sound or vibration and brahma is the name for god brahma simultaneously is the universe and is the creator this is such a beautiful concept because god is both the artist and the art that's the most profound thing like that simple sentence if you really meditate on that you'll have enough enough um resources or enough stuff to work with for a long time just 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 with that sentence just breaking it down god is both the artist and the art and it goes on to say that the artist and the art are inseparable and that in the upanishads i i'm horrible at pronouncing i'm sorry if i butcher any of these names one of the oldest humans, human records in ancient India, it is said that Brahma, the creator, sitting on a lotus, opens his eyes and a, a world comes into being. Brahma closes his eyes and a world goes out of being. Ancient mystics, yogis, and seers have maintained that there is a field at the root level of consciousness, the Akashic field or the Akashic records, where all information, all experience, past, present, and future exists now and always. And this is going to be like a future episode where I'm going to really go deep and I just have to That's prepare it better. He said. Yeah. And um, I just have to prepare it better because I don't want to like be of disservice with this information because I want to be like um, very, very uh, efficient or effective rather like when I 
you know, convey it. But essentially it's like their time itself is an illusion. And that's kind of hard to understand, but over time you'll like kind of understand. But anyways. But but wait, I wanted to talk oh yeah, go, about go. that. Um, the thing that you're <laughs> saying about science, like it's interesting, right? Because scientists have an explanation for everything in the universe. Yeah. It's like the the reason why this moves this way and why this do, like does this certain thing, and they have an explanation for everything. Mm. And I I I find that to be super. Um, like, I don't know. I'm just very skeptical of that because I think that there are just some, like, if you look outwardly into the universe and into just nature, you, you just see that it, it just is like, it is just perfect. And it's designed for whatever reason. It's like, there's no amount of science that can explain it. Mm. It's like, it's, it's like energy, you know, it's, and I think that that's, it sounds like kind of like oh you know hippie or whatever to say maybe but but like, it's not because it's backed up by science as right. well like like science struggles to keep up with wisdom that's the big thing is that we look at the ancient egyptians we look at the ancient sumerians we look at the ancient vedic teachings we look at the ancient japanese teachings and we often scoff and view them from our higher horse of civility of civilization of advancement and progress and industrialists um in industrialism and all that bravado that comes with this deception of science we view these people as less advanced than us mm. we view them as the ones of the past the ones who never got to experience the luxury and the pleasures of advancement but the irony and the funny thing is that they were the advanced ones all along and we are actually at the tail end of evolution. We are the the bottom pit yeah, because of humanity right now. Think about it. Like like honestly think about it. Cause you a lot of people will probably scoff and that's okay. But if you really think about it, yeah. we are zombies. Yeah. Like that's what we are. It's like we're controlled. We're controlled beings. Yeah, there's a little fly in yeah. here. <laughs> We're going to try to kill it at some point. No, you got to let all beings live. <laughs> like, as, as we're talking, talking about spirituality, got to kill like, it. Oh, we got to kill it with oh, no, no reason, I with have, no rhyme or reason, no, just for look, existing. Like, what, what is a fly contributing to this world? Nothing. Well, something, something. Food. Because everything's another? perfect. Yeah, just like you just said, Gabrielle. All you right, said everything's well, perfect. Anyways, it's going to perfectly get smashed yeah. in a second <laughs> if it comes near me again. <laughs> but, um, oh, now I lost my train of thought. Oh, I was saying that. What was I saying? Do you remember what I was saying? Um, Stupid fly. See, look at what it did. It yeah. Just made me but lose. that's a lesson right there. It's like if you focus on the little things that don't matter, you're going to lose what matters. What was I saying? Do you remember? Come on. Um, I was saying about science. I was saying about... No, me. Don't right, start right, derailing right, right. me. No, but like before you started, I was talking about science. I was talking about, oh, how we are the bottom pit of society. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's what I was saying is that we are controlled by fear mm. and we are controlled by a lot of things actually but we're controlled by our emotions and 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 more specifically our thoughts right it's yeah. like because because that's where emotions come from they come from what we are thinking and so our thoughts are being constantly influenced by all of the things that are being relayed to us which is what 
this is this episode is about. Um, but my point is just that it's like if if anyone is less advanced, like I don't think that technology makes us more advanced. I think that it makes us more dependent. It yeah. makes us more. It makes us less individual, like individualistic. Mm. It makes us no, more. It makes us more individualistic and less connected with ourselves. Because oh right, yeah. right. But I just mean that there's like yeah. It represses the the inner soul, if that makes sense, kind yeah. of. But I don't know what the word would your be for that. Your uniqueness, like right. your own uniqueness, like what makes you human. Or yeah, like not even about being unique, just like I think that being alive is more than just being connected all the time. And so that's my point is like we we have this dependency. We are like zombified people. And so I don't think that just like you were saying, like I see us as being the bottom pit and these people centuries ago who didn't have any of this, who didn't have like screens and didn't have uh, news constantly yeah. ringing in their ears and all they care, like all their focus was on was just themselves, mm -hmm. their, 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 yeah, their um, immediate like community and surroundings and then that was it. Yeah. And so I think that there was a lot of power in that though. And I think that everything that it is now, it's like even what we concern ourselves with, a lot of it is so like minuscule yeah. and so um, just temporary and irrelevant even. And yeah, it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, because look, even the idea of being unique, I think it's a myth. I think that when you realize that there is no uniqueness and that there is only oneness to all beings and to all things, that you are everything around you, that you are the rock, that you are the tree, that you are the grass, that you are the person next to you, that you are your parents, you are everything all at once. That is the moment where you start understanding that the idea of identity was never created for the purpose of making everybody unique and that the irony and listen to this, just like sit with this idea is that the outliers of our world are the people who break out of the norm. What is the norm? The norm is the indoctrination. It's the zombification process. It's the Rockefeller school system. It's the Rothschild school system that was designed to create little obedient factory workers that we still implement and use to this day to organize our students, to organize our kids, to organize the future generation. And then they mock us and they look into a camera and they say that the kids are the future, that the kids are the saviors of the future. And we put all this responsibility on these zombies, on these kids who are just at the mercy of indoctrination, at the mercy of being influenced, at the mercy of just being a follower, being a sheep of others, of buying clothes to look like everybody else. And then they are sold this deception that they are unique because they bought this limited drop from this artist, from this rapper, from this singer, from this whatever it is. But at the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, all you will see externally are just, just, just things of this world things of like products of indoctrination, whether it's a t-shirt you bought that has a message on it because you were, you know, inspired by someone else or you were influenced. But my point is that the outliers are always the ones that break out of that. Mm. And they break out of it, not because they were raised to break out of it with a few exceptions like Kanye West, for example, he has a mother that in my opinion is what every mother should be. 
is whatever Donda was for Kanye West because she created a true human being, flawed in, in multiple different aspects, not perfect by any metric, by any measurement, but a true human being nonetheless. And then same thing with like people like Steve Jobs, like you can claim that he created a cancer, right? He, he created the smartphone. He created this problem that we all have to deal with now. Sure. But in order to even create a bad thing, quote unquote, that also has good qualities that allows you to connect to your family members, that allows you to FaceTime loved ones, that allows you to just be connected, has a lot of good, good, like good aspects of it. But my point is that even he had to break out of the norm and, and his whole idea was think different, mm -hmm. right? Like that was his whole slogan. It's like, think different. And I don't even know where I was getting with this, but I feel like I, I, I like made sense to, to those who want to listen. You know, it's just, it's just a matter of now looking at things and just really questioning, like, why do you listen to Lil Uzi Vert? Why are you a fan of Drake? Why do you like Doja Cat? Why do you, like, why? Just, just ask why. Like, what's the value that's being given to you? Right. And then on the topic of music, I just wanted to also point this crazy thing out that I think a lot of you should really think about. And this ties into what I told you that science is desperately trying to understand spirituality. It's desperately, it's been trying to study meditation for years. They discover through, through sonograms and through just x-rays or whatever they do to the brain, they discover that there are parts of the brain that lays dormant, which is the part that is responsible for defining your individuality and your sense of self. That completely turns off when you're meditating, by the way. So in the middle of meditation, what turns on is the part of your brain that is responsible for giving you that feeling of connection and oneness with the world, which is mind-blowing. And the same happens when you pray. So when you're in deep prayer and you're talking to God and you're praying to Jesus or you're praying to Allah, the same thing happens. And so that's when you start realizing it's like, People in different cultures and different religions that developed over time at a different rate in isolated parts of the world when transportation and communication was at a primitive level, you know, these cultures almost grew up for hundreds of thousands of years in isolation from each other. They all have a similar understanding of God. They all have a similar understanding of how to connect with God, be it prayer, meditation, devotion, fasting. All of these are spiritual principles and practices that bring you closer and back to God, which is, here's the kicker, yourself. You are the God. You are also the devil. You are also Satan. You are also Jesus Christ, you are also Gandhi, you are everyone all at once. And they're all available and waiting for you in the temple of God, which is in your crown chakra. And so your mission as a spiritual being having a human experience is to relinquish oneself from the material realm, elevate your vibrations, elevate your frequencies, fix your diet, fix your mental diet, diet your, your spiritual diet, what you consume, what music you consume, what it does to you. If you're made 70% water, I'm going to mention right now what sound and vibration does to you. And then you ultimately elevate to the point where you are able to meditate and, and, and literally contact God, which is what I feel. Again, I can only speak on my own experiences. That is what happened to me. And that's why I had almost an overnight transformative experience that just open my eyes to just really understanding that everything I need to learn and understand about the world starts from within myself, from understanding myself. 
and just really looking inward. And that's why I recommend, I can't recommend enough. I truly can't. If you've ever trusted me as a person, if you've ever liked anything I said and you are open to my recommendations, I promise you it's not going to be a waste of time. Just watch Inner Worlds, Outer Worlds. Inner Worlds, Outer Worlds. It's a short documentary. It's like two hours. It's maybe not too short, but it covers all of this. So really quick before, I'm going to let you finish, but uh, really <laughs> quick, just on the topic of sound and music, right? Here's an interesting thing. The German writer and luminary Wolfgang von Goeth, who was one of the most iconic Pianists. Composers, yeah. yeah. He said, the wave is the primordial phenomenon which gave rise to the world. And, and in a future podcast, I'm going to literally break down the whole thing. I'm going to explain. I'm going to basically give you guys an understanding of what God it, it probably is. And then I'm just going to like do that and then allow you to just take your own path. Because I do not want to be a person who has a clouded judgment and who is ignorant enough to believe that he knows the answers to everything because I'm not that person. I'm still learning. I'm at, I'm at my infant stages of learning, but I want you guys to join me. Whoever's open to joining, just follow me. Just like walk with me. Don't, don't follow me actually. Just walk with me down this path if you're open to it and we can talk along the way and I can share stuff that I'm learning and stuff that I've learned and things that I've done wrong. And we can just create a human experience together. But Wolfgang basically said that the wave is the primordial phenomenon which gave rise to the world. Cymatics is the study of visible sound. The word cymatic comes from the Greek root cyma, which means wave or vibration. One of the first Western scientists to seriously study wave phenomenon was Ernst Kladny, a German musician and, phys and, and, and physicist who lived in the 18th century. Kladny discovered that when he spread sand on metal plates and then vibrated the plates with a violin bow, the sand arranged itself into different patterns. Depending on what frequency he fed the particles, it would rearrange on this metal structure in different patterns. Mm. Different geometrical forms appeared depending on the vibration that was produced. Cladney recorded an entire catalog of these shapes and they are referred to as the Cladney Figures. If you have time right now, take out your, your, your smartphone, go on your computer, Google Cladney figures. Many of these patterns can be found throughout the natural world, such as the markings of the tortoise or the spot patterns of the leopard. So you can recreate nature using sound. Using different frequencies, you can recreate the patterns of a leopard. You can recreate the the stratifications of a tree trunk. You can create, you can recreate anything in nature using sound. That's why they consider sound to be the primordial um, the thing that created everything. Everything is animate. The animating principle of the universe is sound. It's vibration. Mm -hmm. And that's why in the Bible, it says in the beginning, there was the word. Mm -hmm. the word what's the primordial word the primordial um that's what jesus teaches and so again jesus is a yogi accept him as a devout student of eastern mysticism and you will begin understanding that his teachings did not ask of you to worship him as a man that is false his teachings required you to worship the divinity that that is the essence of your existence because mm -hmm. as conscious beings we're the only ones to really take a step back 
and understand this animating principle and feel it and acknowledge it as ourselves, as soul, as spirit. Every other animal has has remained loyal to this animating principle. And that's why you see everything in such perfect symmetry, just like you said, like when you see things growing and you see things dying and you see, you know, um, honeybees doing what honeybees do, pollinating flowers, creating honey. And Hex you see an imperfect hexagon Perfect shape. geometry, yeah. right. And that's why the Freemasons refer to God as the grand architect, you know, and we're going to start understanding Freemasonry because I'm tired of just, again, fear mongering. It's like prior to prior to this episode, I had very, very limited, uh, limited understanding of, of Freemasons and the mystical schools of mystery, the Egyptian schools of mystery. We're going to understand that it's not all bad. And that's not me trying to coerce you guys into be. No, it's just that there's no pure evil and there's no pure bad. I don't think. Uh, good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> So they understand a lot of these things and they just keep it to themselves because, you know, it's like they need the masses to continue doing their laborious, laborious work. And they need you guys to continue delivering their packages. You, they need you guys to continue um, serving meat, to continue stocking shelves at supermarkets, to continue uh, being taxi drivers we need the people to continue asleep. Like we yeah. need a large amount of it's society. We need order. Yeah, yeah, we need control basically, right? Or they need control. Mm -hmm. But then the last thing I'll say is that studying cladney patterns or cymatic patterns is one secret way in which high-end guitar, violin, and other instrument makers determine the sound qualities of the instruments they make. And so XXX Tentacion, he, prior to passing away, he went on the live and he explained that everything is frequency and that the music industry uses frequency to manipulate and control you and coerce you again into thinking certain ways into adopting certain beliefs into adopting certain messages certain thought patterns and when you understand what this um what sound does to water and and if you continue to like look at it and you see what happens when you transform water into a more uh materialist like a more substantial substance, mm -hmm. it starts taking form and then it starts dancing as if it's like this alien animal object thing. It's like a glob. But if we're made 70% of water, then when you're listening to any music, it's it's doing something to your soul, to your spirit, to your energy. And you have to really be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, it's literally shaping what's going on inside of you. Can, can I say one last part? No, Talk, like talk away it's sorry just, guys it's because uh, it's been a while yeah it's fun to listen to i'm part of the audience right now so okay so hans jenny expanded on cladney's work in the 1960s using various fluids and electronic amplification to generate sound frequencies and coined the term cymatics if you run simple sine waves through a dish of water you can see patterns in the water depending on the frequency of the wave different ripple patterns will appear the higher the frequency, the more complex the pattern. These forms are repeatable, not random. So you can repeat the same shapes using specific sound frequencies. The more you observe, the more you start to see how vibration arranges matter into complex forms from simple repeating waves. This water vibration has a pattern similar to the sunflower, for example, right? So like there's this beautiful example where they vibrate at a certain frequency 
this uh, little puddle of water and it replicates the sunflower shape mm. perfectly, perfectly. So it creates a, a sunflower using sound. How the hell does that work? How, why does that happen? It's like you have to start questioning. So science is not the advancement. Science is just a fancy magnifying glass that is trying to observe the the beauties and the perfect symmetries and the perfection of nature of god you know the grand architect and so that's all science is it's just another form of understanding but again focusing entirely on the outside science is scientific research and scientific process relies on the um, observer subject model which is where there has to always be a separation between the observer and the subject that is being observed and studied. And that's the biggest flaw. And then when you look at wisdom, wisdom is observer subject as well, but it's observer observer. The observer is the subject. The observer is himself, herself, the topic of discussion, the topic of observation. And so one observes oneself. And then, it, you know, that's what meditation helps you with. It helps you disconnect from the ego. That's what mushrooms do. That's what psychedelics do. That's what DMT, dimethyltryptamine. That's what, uh, you know, um, edibles, weed, marijuana. That's what all that stuff does. Anything that helps relinquish the ego, you should, like, if you're already a user, for example, of any of those substances, consider meditating next time when you use it. Because when you're using those substances, for the most part, for most people, you have a relinquishing of the ego. So you completely destroy your ego and you allow yourself to just kind of see what else is after the ego. And not too many people have ever even experienced that. So a lot of people are born and die never leaving the ego, just mm. always living in that realm, always living in that landscape. And so it's interesting, like try it out because that's kind of how like I came to understand my own spiritual practice is that I used um, edibles um, I think it was like 25 milligram edibles. It's not even like that crazy strong my first time. And then I slowly upgraded to 50 milligrams, which is where I'm at now. And I even recently tried 100 milligrams, but that's just too much for me. So I'm going to stick to 50 milligrams every other night. And then I try to meditate or I, I don't try to meditate. I meditate when I'm on these things. And then I always discover new things. It's always a self-discovery. And it's because my ego has been destroyed. It's been left at the door. And so... That, that maybe offers you a, a new understanding or perspective or way of looking at even drugs, you know, because they have been kind of um, vilified for a reason. Because, again, the people in control don't want, you know, you to have um, access to that. Um, I know I've been talking a lot. And I'm no, sorry. don't be sorry. Um, it's like I'm listening to. OK, so the more you observe repeating waves, simple sound frequency. Uh, but, okay, but, yeah. But this, like everything that you've been talking about, it's interesting because it makes you want to try it at home, you know, kind of do yeah. like a do it yourself uh, model of this um, cymatics. Oh, it's yeah. called or, or, or cymatics? Yeah, it's a uh, cladney. Uh, yeah, it's called cymatic or cladney patterns. Right. And so, but, but I also saw the documentary and I thought that it was interesting. Like it literally creates perfect geometrical shapes, like yeah. water, this thing that when you spill it on the table, it just looks like a, a blob of liquid, you know, mm -hmm. it just kind of, it doesn't have any shape really. Yeah. But that makes you think like, how can water take, like create, 
these shapes like geometrical shapes like just process that in your head how can water do that just through the power of sound and frequency and so perfectly and vibration yeah Yeah, exactly and it's it's repeatable so it's not random like any person can like can experience and then another conspiracy twist is what is the moon if the moon is responsible for the tides controlling the tides yeah for controlling the ocean it also controls our mood and we're 70 percent water so what is the moon you know because if it's sound that's the animating principle then that means that the moon is some form of like e- like even if you believe in like the simulation theory or if you believe in aliens the moon is something that is emitting a frequency that is influencing the minds of humans, that is helping us, maybe helping, maybe not helping, who knows, don't know. But it's interesting because like, what's the moon, you know? Yeah. Um, Simply by changing the sound frequency, we get a different pattern. Water is a very mysterious substance. It is highly impressionable. That is, it can receive and hold onto vibration because of its high resonance capacity and sensitivity and an inner readiness to resonate, the water responds instantaneously to all types of sonic waves. Vibrating water and earth make up the majority of mass in plants and animals. It is easy to observe how simple vibrations in water can create recognizable natural patterns. But as we add solids, here's where it gets crazy, and increase the amplitude, things get even crazier. Adding cornstarch to water, for example, we get more complex phenomena. Perhaps the principles of life itself can be observed as vibrations move the cornstarch blob into what appears to be a moving organism so the more like you you make something solid all you do is you increase the amplitude of the frequency and you amplify everything and then it still gets animated because everything's water and the ancients always believed the ancient egyptians the ancient greeks uh all ancient people they always viewed water as this very mysterious substance as like this very like divine substance and bruce lee is famous for saying be like water my friend you know it's like be be formless if water is put into a cup it becomes the cup if water is put into a bowl it becomes the bowl and what bruce lee was trying to teach us also is spiritual practices it's like that's essentially the whole thing is that water is everything and everyone and that when you understand consciousness right like if you want to call consciousness god imagine an ocean imagine it rains over the ocean every droplet is the manifestation of consciousness that you are currently experiencing. That is your individuality. Whatever your name is, that is what it is. You are this droplet of water in this infinite, infinite expanse of water, which is the ocean. And when you drop into the ocean or onto the surface of the ocean, you create a ripple, a ripple effect. Some drops make a a a, a larger ripple. They make a larger impact on the surface of the water and some people just quiet just quiet little drops some people don't even make much of a ripple like a visible ripple it's so quiet it's so you know nonchalant but my point is that the ocean itself is one and the ocean is god and so you the the little droplet of water you yourself are god because you are part of god so god is part of you so it becomes this like what came first the chicken or the egg and obviously it's it's the um it's god like god came first and you can interchange that term because maybe it's not very welcome to people around you or maybe if you're trying to convince someone 
you can like kind of dress it up in terms that are more acceptable in today's age. And so you can say consciousness, you can say uh, chi, you can call it energy, you can call it uh, uh, kundalini uh, energy, you can call it whatever you want to call it. But that is such a trip to me. And just to meditate on that alone, like that is what we're experiencing. And some of these ripples create waves, become waves. And that's some of the humans that we experience. Like we experience Shakespeare, we experience Leonardo da Vinci, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kanye West. These people create waves and that's what we all experience. And we all experience those waves. And that's why we have such a, that's why the term living vicariously through someone, it's like you guys can be living vicariously through me, but at the same time you are living through me and I'm living through you guys. You know, like I'm living through the, the being the speaker and being the listener. Yeah. So it's just very, very, very trippy is the best way to say it. Um, using Ram Dass's, uh words and another great um, a, another great teacher that I recommend is Ram Dass. I also recommend Alan Watts. I recommend Duncan Trussell. I recommend watching his animated show on Netflix called Midnight Gospel. It's filled to the brim with these esoteric uh, tantric teachings, you know, like Buddhism specifically, the idea of reincarnation, simulation, it's all in there. I recommend uh, Avatar, The Last Year. Yes. And speak to why. <laughs> like, why do you recommend it? Um, <laughs> I didn't think this far ahead. Um, I feel like a, a student a going up for their yeah, presentation. Yeah, Gabby, Avatar, good job. Explain to the class why. Um, <laughs> well, at, at least for me, like, because of everything that we like we've been talking about and obviously like you have been experiencing things like at a faster pace and stuff and i'm just more uh no but it's not at a faster pace but um because it took me 25 years to experience it right i am younger so that's a fair point um but (laughs) but uh avatar the last airbender i feel like it's always had these um principles and embedded in it like the idea of the idea of reaching the avatar state, right? And I think one of the most impactful episodes for me is the one where he has to open his chakras and and he has to face like certain parts of himself and it starts from the root chakra and he goes up and he addresses certain uh, like inner turmoil and just attachments in, internal things, right? But but things that are going on wi- within himself is my point. And then to reach the avatar state, the Guru Patik tells him that he must let go of any attachment that he has to this world. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is Katara. I'm giving stuff away, but I don't want to give too much away. So if you haven't watched Avatar The Last Airbender, then please skip this part. <laughs> but anyways, um, when it's showing him in the avatar state, it's like this celestial Energy. kind of realm even. Yeah. It's like it's it's him. It's like it's him in this huge light form it's himself as god right yeah and so my point is that there is something there where it's like we all have that within ourselves Mm -hmm. and so like that's the best way i can put it for people who maybe are like can't even keep up with the information it's like if you have watched the show then then maybe use that as a reference it's like we all have the potential of reaching an avatar state and and just quickly plugging it in, the avatar the avatar state is a term that they created 
but the the ancient translation is the crown chakra. It, yeah, but that's exactly yeah. my point. It's just it's just for people who who have watched it and want like a better who who maybe you know. Well, yeah, which which by the way is Christ consciousness. Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting. And so it's like, what was I gonna say? But to my point is that that the show aside from that episode there is like a lot of other um things that it instills in terms of the whole like uh just the whole like inner awakening it's like where all of the power lies within yourself like all of the um proverbs and lessons and everything that's like addressed in that show it just none of it is like you none of it is searching outwardly so the biggest message of that show is that all of the answers are sought within and are found within and And so like and for and for many characters like zuko and but anyways yeah that show is beyond powerful and i recommend that show for anybody who wants to kind of um dabble in spirituality but another thing that's worth mentioning is that the third eye chakra is literally in an upside down triangle. Yeah. And it's located right in between the brow area, like right a little bit above it. And in Avatar, Avatar, you know, Aang, he has that arrow visible to the whole world. And then even Appa, which is his spirit animal, it's an extension of himself. It's also himself, you know, because we are all things and we are everything all at once. But that's interesting because it's literally like his whole body is filled with arrows and that's just symbolizing the the energetic flow that flows through all humans you know and then it reaches its 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 maximum point in the uh third eye chakra and and once that third eye is opened and that's what people especially in the in the conspiracy theory uh community they 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 jokingly say and they say like oh like this this really opened my third eye or whatever but it's only after you open all of these chakras that you can eventually get to the crown chakra. And it's interesting, right? Because we have the root chakra, which is responsible for self-preservation. This is the lowest vibrational level that you can be in. And this is responsible for your sense of well-being and your sense of having safety around you, having enough food, having survival, right? Like having the ability to survive, like that's what it's responsible for. You have the sacral chakra, which is responsible for self-gratification. It offers openness to follow what feels joyful. Uh, Solar plexus chakra is self-definition, which gives you the will and strength to trust yourself and to trust others. So if you're a little insecure, if you're a little scared of life or scared of things, then this one's probably blocked and you have to figure out how to unblock it. And only you know how to. Um, the heart chakra is responsible for self-love, opens your heart to love and trusting your heart. The throat chakra is self-expression, which I think that during my spiritual awakening process, mine was kind of closed. And then at one point it opened and I felt it like I felt that moment and I'll like talk about it more eventually. But then after that, I, I like I was able to work on my third eye chakra and then I eventually reached my crown chakra. Um, but, but throat chakra, self-expression helps you trust in your word and expression. Third eye chakra, self-reflection helps you trust in your journey and dreams. And lastly, crown chakra is self-knowledge, allows you to surrender to the universe. So the Tao Te Ching also, the, I don't know how to pronounce that. Some people say it's the Tao Te Ching. I say it's just the Tao. But the Tao speaks on this a lot. And it says that, 
Uh, it believes in Wu Wei, which is action through non-action. And that's essentially when you just let the flow of the universe kind of command every action that you have, you know, and you don't consciously try anymore, but you subconsciously and you energetically flow. And it's really hard to explain, but that's essentially what happens to bees, for example. Bees don't really, as far as we're concerned, they don't think about everything they're going to do. They just do it out of just this cosmic dance that's happening between them and the animating principle of the universe, the the music that animates all things and the and the perfect geometry and the perfect symmetry that that perfects nature, you know. But the crown chakra is also considered to be the thousand uh, petal lotus. And I just want to like quickly give a thing because some people probably don't even know what, what like chakras are. But um, yeah, there's just like this. This episode is all over the place because <laughs> because it feels like it's been so long and it feels like we're like I feel at least that I'm just catching up, catching up with like an old friend and just like telling them everything that I've been experiencing. It's like you won't believe in. And then and then I did this mm-hmm. and then I saw this and then I was here. It's like me just telling about my journey. Yeah, like yeah, there's no start or finish. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that you mentioned the lotus because, like, everything that you've been uncovering—that's like real life things that we see in in um in uh what's it called? Avatar. No, in hold on, um, like Buddhist culture, um, Vedic teaching, Hinduism, like all of these different religions. Yeah, and uh, what is it called? Oh shoot, let me find the name. Uh, Tibetan Buddhism. Tibetan Buddhism. But but to my point, like all of these things that are real life things, you see an avatar. So even the lotus, there is the order of the white lotus, which is the the it's elderly people but it's interesting because one of the one one of the ones that is uh part of this group is uncle iroh and he's the most spiritually inclined person in this show yeah and he even talks about like the chi which is what you were talking about which is the the brain in our gut essentially it's like it's the gut brain it's the it's where all of the energy flows within us but he talks about that and he he even says that his is like a vast ocean which is interesting um but to my point it's like uh it's just interesting that like there's no coincidences in in even a show like this which is meant for kids yeah it's like the there was a reason why all of these things were included and the creators probably have an inclination towards all of these things that you're talking about and so that's why they implemented it in this show and why they created this show to begin with and yeah just super just interesting like just pointing it out yeah um i think that again like this is an example of media being used for good because i think that if you teach your kids from a young age to understand, to to establish some natural balance between wisdom and knowledge because Uncle Iroh, in the show, the White Lotus Society is portrayed resembling kind of like the Freemasons. It's, it's like a, it's like an occult school of mysteries kind of. And that's essentially like, like what we have to this day. You know, it's just these occult groups, which occult just means um, hidden, mysterious, non-definable. Yeah, but see, even the word occult, like people hear that and they're like, oh, evil, evil, uh, you know, sacrifice, blah, blah, blah. But like, 
what if there's more to it and what if that's not the case at all like who knows yeah. what if what if even portraying it as evil is part, is of, part it, of it is part of it and so that you don't go seeking yes, the things that yes, they are seeking just like yes. you said it's like it's all part of it it's like Absolutely. they don't want you to uncover whatever it is the illuminati has knowledge of or whatever the freemasons have knowledge of or whatever like what is the reason for a third eye or, or the or the one-eyed symbolism like there is a reasoning for that and and it's alluding to these things but it's not but it but but they've been painting it as evil or letting you just believe it's evil because they don't want you to yeah. seek it out any further it's like they want you to just you know stay in that space of of order and control orderly routine and no one think outside of the structure or of what we're painting for you to believe and that's the biggest mindfuck, um, which I wasn't even planning on saying it on this episode because I feel like it's a lot for people to like a lot of people. I'm already predicting a lot of people are going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, like you guys. But m look, you are spot on with that. And the best way to keep mysterious teachings mysterious indefinitely over time is to kind of feed into the idea that it's all satanic. Yeah, it's villainize all it. Evil. Yeah, make people scared of even trying to understand or even listen like la 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 I'm not going to listen la 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 evil evil blah blah blah. Oh, my eyes are closed. I'm just like a child, an ignorant child just like make them scared. Create demonize it, villainize it because then you won't have too many people seeking it or walking towards it and anyone who does is going to be associated with evil. And so they won't be listened to and so like that's the same thing of like you you having someone convert or into like satanism and then they they try to like say like hey it's not too bad you know like it's not all bad but like that's just to say that people often just ah like it's hard to explain it's like they don't look for themselves they just rely on the fear-mongering that prevails on the on on the prevailing message and ideology that's but but that's something that I wanted to point out too is um, there because this goes back to like the the mass media and how we're being controlled. Mm -hmm. But Edward Bernays, who is considered to be the father of public relations, um, and used concepts discovered by his uncle Sigmund Freud to yeah. manipulate the public using the subconscious, um, said this, and I'm gonna just read it. Uh, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in the democratic in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling of, of true ruling power of our country. We are governed. Our minds are molded. Our tastes formed. Our ideas suggested largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our dem democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as smoothly as a smoothly functioning society. Our invisible governors are, in many cases, unaware of the identity of their fellow members in the inner cabinet. So, even they are unaware of each other. But my point is that this is spot on to what we're talking about. It's like 
the only way that they can have a smoothly functioning society, like he stated, is through the manipulation and control of the masses. It's like keeping them in a cooperative manner, which just means like, you know, kind of nulled state. Yeah, it's like zombified. you just follow a routine. Everybody wakes up and goes to work and does groceries. And it's just this perpetual routine, which I said before, but then that's the way that you maintain control yeah and he, he's basically responsible for creating consumerism right which is yeah. the idea that at certain point in our evolution as a species we transitioned from buying for survival to buying for pleasure yeah not too many people buy for survival anymore and that's a product of public communication that's a pro product of mass media you know the first commercials were all kind of like a science to entice people to consume and that's why a standard of success back in the 50s for example was having a home that had a brand new fridge that had the latest microwave that had the latest toaster oven that had the latest car and so it's all consumerism consumerism defined your value and in turn you increase the value of the owners of these things that you use to express yourself in this world but but that's my point too right like there if if the case is that the illuminati or the freemason or whatever secret organized group has like this knowledge that they don't want you to have access to and the cases that they portray or let you just believe that these are just evil um you know organized groups and stuff then then it would make sense it's like it would make sense because the whole concept of our living experience especially here in the u.s is that you have to follow the natural order which is the natural order is constantly being swayed and controlled which but is then, funny because that's not the the natural order. That's the yeah, unnatural order. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean. It's like natural in in uh, air quotes. You know, it's like that's mm. what they want you to believe is the natural order. It's like, oh, you you're born to go to school to get a job, and then it's like, and 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 that like that's your purpose. But and so they don't allow you to seek a greater purpose within yourself, and they don't allow you to s see what crazy potential is within you mm. that's that doesn't even exist in this realm even that doesn't yeah. even exist like here yeah but anyways yeah go ahead and and i was even talking to you about the idea of how i feel like even the structures that we have for time like calendar months and stuff like that is designed to keep us inside of this prison of time so time isn't real isn't to say that there isn't like this passing of time but i feel like the idea of worshiping time as much as we do like we're 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 so preoccupied with with like ready now production um fast food fast uh fitness results fast uh uber drivers fast transportations like we're so fixated on velocity speed and time yeah and we convenience don't even realize that when we're born the only thing we're, we like all of you watching and listening, the only thing that we're ever required of is to do enough to guarantee our survival and the survival of our community. And then the rest of your time 
you can literally use it just sitting down and meditating, just being outside all day, grounding, eating fruits and vegetables, eating uh, responsibly grown uh, meat, regenerative meat, regenerative foods, and just met like you could just sit down or just sleep all day. It's like there there is no purpose is my point. The purpose came with the advancements of society, which I've already kind of like explained my opinion on that. It's like, it's not really advancement. It's not progress. It's just an unnatural order that is trying to substitute the natural order. But the thing, the beautiful thing is that the natural order will always spill through. And that's why you always have people in every society who, who come out and who speak their truth and who garner a mass following. And then these people are either executed, silenced or eliminated altogether. And you see that happening all around us at all times. And it's because it's not in their best interest to have you live yourself as a fulfilled human being. It's definitely not. Mm. Their best interest is to keep you primal, to keep you in the lowest state of consciousness and to keep you subservient to them, obedient and productive, you know, like produce more, consume more, keep feeding this machine and never wake up. And that's why in the matrix, for example, the prevailing tip is to wake up, wake up, Neo. It's yeah. in the opening scene of the movie, wake up. That's the best message that anyone can tell you. It's just wake up. Because just like you wake up from a dream and in the dream, here's an interesting thing, right? In the dream, in, 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 in every dream that you've had, you were the person experiencing the dream and you were also every person and everything in that dream. Yeah. And then when you wake up, you wake up in your bed with your name tag, with your name, with your label and you like all the things that you own and your identity and your idea of self. And then you forget that you are everything and that you are in, in control of your reality, essentially. You know? Yeah. Everything is an extension of you. Yeah. And and yeah, like uh, it's it's kind of hard to put into words, but another cool guy because you mentioned one cool guy another cool guy was a man named walter lipman and walter lipman was an american intellectual writer and two-time pulitzer prize winner and he brought forth one of the first works concerning the usage of mass media in america in public opinion of 1922 lipman compared the masses to a quote great beast and quote a bewildered herd that needed to be guided by a governing class. Mm -hmm. He described the ruling elites as a, quote, specialized class whose interests reach beyond the locality. So bewildered herd has its function, according to him, and his function for us, the bewildered herd, is to be the interested spectators of action not the participants of action. Mm -hmm. Participation is the duty of the responsible man, which is not a regular citizen. And then he goes on to um, say like other things along those lines. But mass media and propaganda are therefore tools that must be used by the elite to rule the public without physical coercion. So it used to be the case where, you know, people own slaves and you would physically coerce them and impose your power onto them physically. Now, with the advancements of advancements and the progress of technology and communication, we don't need physical coercion anymore. And so slavery ended, but it never ended. Yeah, It's always been the case. Humans will always be born enslaved. Like even when you're born, you are born a property of the state. Like your birth certificate 
is a certification of birth. Like you are owned, you are a property of the state. You get your social security number. You're just like cattle essentially. Like you are a herd. And um, uh, one important concept presented by Lippmann is the manufacture of consent. Lippmann's opinion was that the general public is not qualified to reason and decide on important issues. It is therefore important for the elite to decide for its own good, quote, and then sell those decisions to the masses and then create the illusion of choice. And that's where we get. It's like we have political campaigns and we have candidates, but we never chose or we never elected the people that we actually want. Like we don't get that choice. What we get is a few uh, check boxes and then we get to check one. And then we usually resort to the less of evils, you know, but it never works out because they're all controlled by the people who control everything, who are, who are the people behind these uh, methods of communication. And, and then, oh, oh, yeah. no, go, oh go, 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 go. you could go. Oh, go. Um, and it's interesting because he's one of the founding fathers of the Council on Foreign Relations, the CFR, which is the most influential foreign policy think tank in the world. And if you look at the current members of the CFR, because that still exists, um, it's David Rockefeller, uh, Dick Cheney, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, mega church pastor Rick Warren, and the CEOs of major corporations and uh, such as CBS, Nike, Coca-Cola, and Visa. And it's ever-expanding. Yeah, and so that's super interesting. It's like he was the founding father of this, you know, influential foreign policy uh, that that's basically controlling everything and you know to sway it right because look everything that is being controlled isn't just like for us consumers it's mm -hmm. like well it is but my point is that it's not just in one aspect like it's supposed to control the the social state of the of of the country or of the world it's supposed to control the political state it's supposed to control all of these different aspects of i don't know if that makes sense but yeah it, it like it goes beyond just you know yeah so everything that you see that's that's like pushed out and we've talked about this before like agendas and stuff like the everything that goes on politically like what goes on between the two parties that that also serves as like a distraction to an extent it's like it's meant to get you extremely invested it's meant to have like such polarizing ideas it's meant to be this like this huge affair and event that people you know kind of um eat into gravitate towards, right yeah. and so yeah, like I don't, <laughs> I'm like so, no, no, but sorry guys, it's like the first time back, so I'm just not. You're yeah. doing great and don't keep apologizing, you know, like it's just flowing, like, you know, just, just flow because I'm also like tripping up and stuff and I haven't really stuck to a cohesive train of thought. I'm all over the place, but that's mentally gone and we're just back and you did great. But I just want to add on to that and say that the, so the Council of Foreign Relations, right, it was founded in 1921, and the Council of Foreign Relations is the key link between the large corporations and the federal government. What that means is it's a group of men who are similar in interest and outlook, and they are shaping the events from invulnerable positions behind the scenes. The Here's what's pretty wild. The Council of Foreign Relations is also responsible for being a vital part in the creation of the United Nations. 
And the United Nations is considered a project of this council, as well as the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. So it goes deeper, deeper than you guys think. It's not just about controlling the media. It's about power. It's about controlling you and trapping you. You need to wake up and realize that hell is right now that heaven is also right now. And you have the choice to define what it is that you want to live in. If you want to consciously live in hell, then guess what? You're going to have a bunch of rodeo rides throughout this realm of existence. You're going to come back and back again. You're going to experience different lifetimes, different people and until you learn. And it's in their best interest to just profit off of this understanding, have this knowledge, keep it to themselves share it with other people, like-minded people who are also into power and control and who don't want to be the Jesus Christ of the world and try to amass a following and enlighten as many people as possible. And you keep these people and you offer them money, uh, comfort, status, or status. And yeah, mm -hmm. and then just keep the circus running. Status. Status. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because he's supposedly broken out of the matrix. Yeah, yeah. See, like... Now I'm beginning to understand that Andrew Tate is flawed in that way where in like how like how he presents himself. I feel like he still makes the collective consciousness obsess over material things. And that's why I don't think that he's a true speaker against the system, that he is very much one of the people kind of gearing and guiding people into the overconsumption of the things that are byproducts of the system. So he has a Bugatti. He has women. <laughs> he has lustful desires. He, you know, preaches of just the idea of like masculinity. And there is value. Again, nothing is completely evil. There is definitely value in the teachings that he is offering to young men, people who are confused, uh, people who just don't have any, you know, male figure, solid male figure in their life. But I do think that he is flawed in his carnal desires. Like he's still very much ingrained in that reality and it's not until he kind of removes himself from it that he'll be able to truly truly live in what he speaks yeah, yeah. and another example is like elon musk right yeah <laughs> elon musk is another great example uh do you want to get into him real quick sure it's up to you you lead the way um well we should just finish covering these uh last two leading thinkers in the realm of mass media uh do you want to like which one do you want to cover now <laughs> you could me okay yeah. so uh then the next one is a very it, he's kind of like a household name for people who read i guess uh carl jung carl jung is the founder of analytical psychology also known as jungian psychology which emphasizes understanding the psyche by exploring dreams art mythology religion symbols and philosophy <laughs> burp Burp break. Um, the Swiss therapist is at the origin of many psychological concepts used today, such as archetypes, the complex, the persona, the introvert, extrovert, synchronicity, the shadow self, the integration of the shadow self, which I'll also discuss in like future episodes. He was highly influenced by the occult background of his family. Carl Gustav, his grandfather, was an avid Freemason. Here we go. There, there's the group I said earlier. He was grand master so 
His grandfather was a grandmaster Freemason, and Jung himself discovered that some of his ancestors were Rosicrucians, which I'm also going to get into all of these mystical groups, starting all the way back with the first kind of occult uh, school of mystery, which was the Assassins, and then get all the way through the Illuminati, the traditional understanding, the Freemasons, Rosicrucians. This might explain his great interest in Eastern and Western philosophy, alchemy, astrology, and symbolism. He is quoted saying in The Concept of the Collective Unconscious, he says, My thesis, then, is as follows. In addition to our immediate consciousness, which is of a thoroughly personal nature and which we believe to be the only empirical psyche, even if we tack on the personal unconscious as an appendix, there exists a second psychic system of a collective, universal, and impersonal nature, which is identical in all individuals. This is a scientist, right? A psychiatrist, psychologist. This collective unconscious does not develop individually, but is inherited. It consists of pre-existent forms, the archetypes, which can only become conscious secondarily and which give definite form to certain psychic content. So what he's trying to say here, because it's kind of hard to understand maybe, is that the brainwashing happens on a subconscious level, on the un- like through the unconscious mind. So everything you consume, even if you're not consciously aware of it, because we often interpret awareness as like, okay, so if I'm aware of something, if I'm not aware of something, then I won't assimilate it. And that's not true. Like even if you're not paying attention, conscious awareness you're unconsciously, subconsciously assimilating it. Mm. So it's getting through. As long as it goes through into your head, it's going to kind of be stored in your subconscious filing cabinet. And then over time, through dreams and through unconscious practices that you're not even aware of, it starts getting implemented into your conscious awareness and it starts leaking through. And that's the problem with like priming, uh, predictive programming, and so psychiatry and psychology, they're all very well versed in these, um, you know, uh, inhumane at times ways of, of like getting to the human being. And then lastly, to finish off um, Carl Jung, that's what she said. Hmm. Um, archetypal symbols seem to be embedded in our collective subconscious. And when exposed to them, we demonstrate natural attraction and fascination. This was an interesting thing because on our reaction channel, we've been reacting to the um, Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, and it's a, it it like it's been one of our most popular uh, videos when when we reacted and dissected and reviewed and analyzed the Dark Knight film, and it's because it's filled with archetypal or just just archetypes, you know, symbols that we all understand without even having to learn it. So you could show it to a newborn. Not not a newborn baby, but you can show it to like a young child and even he or she will understand the pervading, uh, prevailing message kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, occult symbols can therefore exert a great impact on people, even if many individuals were never personally introduced to the symbols esoteric meaning. And so that's what I just said. Mass media thinkers. Yeah. And then it just goes on. Um, and then do you want me to cover Harold real quick or do you want to do it? Um, I could do it really quick. Yeah. Uh, but another one of the people that is kind of involved in this whole spiel is Harold Laswell, who was a leading American political scientist and communications theorist, and he specialized in the analysis of propaganda. And he was 
of the opinion, just like we've been talking about, that a democracy, a government ruled by the people, could not sustain itself without a specialized elite shaping and molding public opinion through propaganda. So I feel like that is super interesting. Um, and and he had a certain way of doing it, which was his media analysis model, which is based on who says what to whom and what channel with what effect. So we can use the example of Rihanna, who produced it, uh, Vivendi Universal, what like what was produced, what was produced. And it's the pop artist Rihanna to whom consumers between the ages of nine and twenty five what channel, music video, and to what effect selling the artist, her song, her her image, and her message. And her message is subject to change to, right. and to manipulation exactly. by the owners of these media companies. Exactly. And that's why these media companies, they drop artists because some artists just aren't, you know, meeting the quota and they're not including certain words. Right. And so there's always like a desired effect that they're trying to reach. And based on whatever that is, is what they will... Um, kind of shift in what is being used and who is being targeted and all of these different things. So yeah. whatever the final desired effect is, will dis like will decide all of those other things. Yeah. So who you who is being used to push these agendas? Like we always say, it's like yeah, it's all it's an equation. It's all thought out. It's all thought out. And again, back to what I said earlier, it's all about keeping you in a low vibrational state. And so they'll they'll do like small things too, like even if it's like a big artist who doesn't have to really dance and jump through hoops like uh, up and coming artists have to. So these older, well consolidated musicians, they're usually more respected, I guess, by the owners of these media um, companies. But my point is like, for example, Rihanna's Super Bowl performance, she performed in an all red outfit, and she put up a Aleister Crowley uh, symbol, which is a ritualistic symbol. Um, I forget what it represents, but she threw up the rock sign, which is the triangle above her head. And so that to her was just a ritual. It was just a harnessing of energy. But my point is that her outfit, things like that are chosen for her by the prevailing forces that control all things and everyone. And so red is the root chakra. It's the lowest chakra and it's responsible for survival and for Material, carnal urges. Right. Yeah. So they want to keep us in that level so that, again, like we can make that transition from survival to consuming for the sake of consuming. And that tra translates into every aspect of existence through lust and, you know, sex and all that stuff. And so <laughs> that's why they always even say that sex sells. You know, it's for that reason. Yeah. Um, and then the term Illuminati is often used to describe a small elite group uh, that covertly rules the masses, right? Like that's what I've always understood of it growing up. It's the Illuminati. Yeah. It's Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs> but we're going to realize over time and through, you know, various different episodes of this podcast that it's not necessarily that simple. Um, and uh, let's see. So the consolidation of media corporations has, however, produced a standard, a standard, I can't say this word, a standardization, a st standardiz standardization, a standardization of the cultural industry. Um, so if you ever wonder like why the like, like why do songs sound the same and why do movies look alike and why do does every movie feel the same and everything feels like it has the same formula? 
well, now I'm going to just share something really interesting with you guys that will kind of explain everything. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to put this on screen right now. But essentially, here's how the media landscape works. It's according to Vox Media, which again, take that with a grain of salt because it's just one media company that's owned by one of these giants that's reporting on the ownership of media. So again, like what's reliable and what's not. But this gives kind of like an overview uh, media landscape is divided nowadays, modern, modern times into four segments, distribution, streaming, content, and tech. Amongst the four tech giants are Facebook, which owns Reels. We have Amazon, which owns Prime Video, Channels, MGM. We have Google, which owns YouTube. And we have Apple, which owns Apple TV. When you come to the distribution, we have Comcast, which owns NBC, Peacock, C. NBC, Universal Studios, you have Verizon, you have AT&T, who has a 70% stake in DirecTV, you have Charter, uh, I, I don't know what that is, you have Roku, you have Dish, you have Altus, you have Cox, and it goes on. In streaming, you have two big giants right now, Hulu and Netflix, and then also the other ones that I mentioned with the tech giants like YouTube, Apple TV, Prime Video. Um, and then lastly, you have content, which the biggest player is Disney. Disney owns ESPN, Lucasfilms, Marvel Studios, Disney Plus, and a 67% stake in Hulu. Um, Warner Bros. Discovery owns HBO, HBO Max, Discovery Plus, Food Network, Turner, which is CNN, TNT, TBS. Fox owns Fox News, Fox Broadcast. Paramount owns CBS, Showtime, Paramount Plus, Sony Pictures owns Columbia Pictures, Sony Pictures TV, Lionsgate owns Stars, Lionsgate Films, AMC owns IFC, Shutter, and Univision owns Univision News. This is just like a broad landscape. Uh, obviously, there's like smaller companies that are also involved, but that's just to give you guys like a grand overview. And then all of these companies, like the moral of the story is that all of these companies own artists as well. And it fluctuates and it changes depending on what time. Yeah, like AOL Time Warner. At one time owned. Um, I'm sorry. Owned 292 separate companies and subsidiaries. And they also owned Madonna, Sean Paul, and the White Stripes. Yeah. As like artists. And then the Walt Disney Company owned Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Jonas Brothers, uh, recently, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, uh, Joe Rogan, not too many people know, but Joe Rogan's biggest uh, breakout story was through Disney, which he doesn't really talk about that much, which I find interesting. And I'm curious as to why he doesn't really like divulge too much information on it. Hmm. But Vivendi Universal at one point owned Lady Gaga, the Black Eyed Peas, Lil Wayne, Rihanna, Mariah Carey, Jay-Z. <laughs> And then Sony at one point owned Beyonce, Shakira, Michael Jackson, Alicia Keys, Christina Aguilera. There's a crazy video of um, Michael Jackson giving kind of like a speech to an audience. And he says that the CEO of Sony is a devil. Mm. And this was before he got taken out, before he passed away. Yeah. Um, allegedly. I, I, I think he faked his death to like get out of the contracts and stuff. But essentially like Sony owned Michael Jackson. And so we see Michael Jackson as this God, as this God amongst men and we idolize him, but little do we know that he is actually being just owned by someone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, I, I just want to say I'm really sorry because I'm no, so apologize. out of it. 
no, today. But, but I'm in it, and that's good for our kickstart back. It's it's just that like I just have a lot to say, and I'm just excited, and it's been a while, and I kind of want to also create a personal experience and personal connection with you guys. So that's to say that maybe like in the near future, um, you'll see maybe like individual podcast episodes just because I want to like format certain episodes and like convey certain thoughts in a more organized manner so that it gets through and it's not all jambled and jumbled. But I do want to do these more often because again, like this is what I need to do. You know, it's just talk and just as, my, as many ideas as possible. Yeah. Um, and then... And then we could get into, well, I think that we already touched on the standard, the standardization of human thought, you know, of how people have the illusion of individuality. Um, uh, there, there are three main problems with the cultural industry. Um, and those three, I think we also touched on one being reduce human beings to a state of mass by hindering the development of emancipated individuals are capable of making rational decisions number two being replace the legitimate drive for autonomy and self-awareness with the set with the safe laziness of conformism and passivity and number three being validate the idea that men actually seek to escape the absurd and cruel world in which they live by losing themselves in a hypnotic state of self-satisfaction yeah that's incredible and it's interesting because a lot of people use like tv and movies and and music to escape and just like we talked about all of the uh movies and tv shows and newspapers that you read and watch they're all owned and produced by five corporations like literally just five yeah so just to think of that and then um thinking about all of the all of the outlets that these owners of these companies and corporations have all of this power that they have to reach the masses because they own everything. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, um, to your point, the idea of like escapism, um, you know, people, people seek that outwardly. It's like the, to escape, um, this mundane reality they have to use distractions so it's always involving a screen it's always involving um, some type of media or some type of s- entertainment or something and that's why we feel this like feeling of incessant moving all the time like we never feel still and we never feel like society is coming to a halt it's like all these advancements and progresses would lead one to believe that okay finally we can all just be peaceful and happy with all these advancements. But the thing is, it's all designed, again, to place you in this constant, consistent state of panic and confusion. And so that's why everything that will happen, be it wars, you know, the war in Ukraine, everything that seems like it happens for a reason, the only reason is to create a world that's filled with fear so that people will always resort to escapism. And that's what Apple is releasing uh, soon with the... Apple Vision Pros and the VR glasses and sensory deprivation systems and anything that removes you from yourself and throws you into something else that's controlled by someone. Yeah. And so meditation is like a version of virtual reality, except you escape yourself inwardly. Yeah. They want you to escape yourself outwardly. So you have the crack epidemic, which was uh, controlled and it was... 
uh, orchestrated by branches of the government, which if you look into that, it's crazy. You have a period of time when the owners of prisons were lobbying to uh, record labels to coerce and convince their rappers to produce more violent gangster rap so that they can fill up their prisons and profit more. And so you have like all of these things. And then you also had at one point, I, I believe it was the guy that you mentioned. Um, what's his name? Edward Bernays. Edward Bernays. Um, I think it was him. But if it wasn't him, it was like someone similar to him. The owners of meat companies were complaining that they were losing a lot of money and not making enough because humans, like people weren't really consuming as much meat as they wanted and needed them to in order to turn a, a good fat profit. And so around that time, they developed a, a propaganda campaign where they showcased a, a good hearty breakfast as a breakfast comprised of bacon, eggs, bacon and sausage. And that little twist in propaganda, that little distortion of your sense of of like well-being. And then they also bribed doctors and medical facilities and medical institutions to all just nod and say like yes you have to have a good be a strong man like your dad huh you're gonna eat the sausage and bacon yeah it's all bullshit it's all literally it's bu- all propaganda it's all bullshit yeah so that's all just to say um that that everything is kind of designed to have you escape into their arms right because yeah. um the masses which is us so the consumers like typical average person is constantly seeking the state of the art entertainment so it's like the the newest of the new and then the only people that can create these high budget um electronics or these high budget products are the people that own these corporations are the people that produce these things which are the biggest media corporations in the world and so that that's it's like it's so crazy because it's all like calculated you know it's like they know that people they know about like the the trends of people gravitating towards new products and so they take advantage of that and it's all like a manipulation tactic to have you consuming more and then profiting more and then pocketing more at the end of the day and even the anti-culture even the saviors and messiahs of modern times are all produced by these owners, by the elite. And so you can look at people like Elon Musk. You can look at people like Joe Rogan, who at one point was an independent thought leader, who was non-apologetic, who was just doing his own thing and spoke his mind and, and said what he believed in. And sure, like that may still be true now, but it has decreased over time especially after his spotify deal and so he got integrated became a part of the mainstream and so that's what's interesting to really think about it's like even movements or styles that are considered marginal are in fact extensions of mainstream thinking and so mass media produces their own rebels who definitely look the part but are still part of the establishment and do not question any of it. And so nowadays, if you watch a Joe Rogan podcast with like Sam Tripoli, shout out to Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli will present a bunch of conspiracies that have been really thought like thought about by other thinkers and other conspiracy theorists and researchers. And people have actually dug deep into it. And there is a lot of validity to a lot of things that he 
brings up but then you always see joe like joe's reaction now is kind of of like a disappointed father who can't believe that you still believe in santa claus you know and i feel like before his spotify deal he would just really go deep into these things because that's how you get to true wisdom and true information and true knowledge is through inquiry and so that's all to say that you have to be very wary of the people who deem to be against the institution because these are usually the people that are part of it yeah like elon musk especially like yeah. his the the whole <laughs> tesla thing the whole rebranding twitter all of these different things that he does the the development of ai or mm -hmm. the spacex you know thing that he has going on so he and then he's we've we've talked about this before on like i don't know if it was like a daily podcast or a regular podcast but he was talking about the dangers of ai advancement mm. but then he contributes to that and so he's just a hypocrite at the yeah. end of the day and and so he's not a trustworthy source and i don't think that a lot of these people that convey themselves as being the 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 person who's going to give you like free thought or free um freedom of expression right, right. these people uh, you don't know how reliable they are yeah like you don't know if you could trust them and um it's it's also interesting because edward bernays right he actually saw the immense potential of motion pictures you know to really standardize thought and so motion pictures um, at the time of for example martin scorsese he still calls it pictures you know like you go to see the pictures with your family you create a picture and so movies more specifically because we are now in a culture where people are just obsessed with movies marvel movies superhero movies and all of these are just objects of indoctrination are just tools for indoctrination. And so Edward Bernays is quoted saying, the American motion picture is the greatest unconscious carrier of propaganda in the world today. It is a great distributor for ideas and opinions. The motion picture can standardize the ideas and habits of an entire nation because pictures are made to meet market demands. They reflect, emphasize, and even exaggerate broad popular tendencies rather than stimulate new ideas and opinions. The motion picture avails itself only of ideas and facts which are in vogue, which are trending, which are in fashion. As the newspaper seeks to purvey news, motion pictures seek to purvey entertainment. And so that's just to say, like, watch what you like you consume, watch what your family consumes. Everything plays a part of it. Um, I'm just like skimming through my notes here. Mm. I think that for this whole like mass media, I think we might cut it in two parts, maybe. Yeah. Right. Because it's a huge. Yeah. There's thing like to cover. so much more to touch on. Yeah. And then like over time, like we'll start sprinkling. Um, I just have one last thing, which is actually regarding Elon Musk. But do you have anything that you want to like do real quick? No, but I, I do have stuff on Elon Musk, too. All right. So just just topping it off, I guess, with um, Elon Musk for today's episode. I just wanted to because it, it ties into the whole like Buddhism and Eastern philosophy, Eastern religion, Eastern beliefs. Um, Late last year, Elon Musk posted a picture on Twitter. He posted a tweet of his bedside table, right? Mm. And on his bedside table were multiple different items. Elon Musk offered a rare glimpse into his world 
uh, when he shared a photo of his chaotic bedside table. But it's not just the Diet Coke cans and prop guns that have baffled both his critics and fans. Littered amongst the 51-year-old billionaire's personal possessions was a Vajra, a ritual weapon that symbolizes indestructible power and enlightenment in Tibetan Buddhism. Um, this is wild to me because it was late 2022. There are literally four Coke, four Diet Coke cans, one gun that looks this huge gun that apparently is like a toy gun. It's from like a video game, I believe, and a old school revolution gun that looks very expensive. And then in the little corner, you have a Vajra. And I found that so, so incredibly fascinating. Um, I just want to get to a part real quick. Hold on. Because I saw that someone kind of broke it down perfectly. Hold on, guys. Wait, let me just Four see. hours later. Oh, I'm wait. kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, wait. I'm joking. Oh, you're stressing me out. Me? Yeah, with the four hours later. Hold no, on. I was just filling the gap of silence. Okay, so as a whole, <clears throat> uh, someone said that this may represent Elon Musk's fight for freedom slash revolution against tyranny. Uh, this is what explains the modeled after Washington founding fathers of U.S. gun. Um, across physical and political dimension, there's the revolutionary gun, the virtual digital dimension, there's the Dills X gun, which is a video game, and the spiritual dimension, which is the Vajra. The Vajra. I'm only pointing out the Vajra because it is literally the most important ritual implement of Vajrayana, Vajrayana, Buddhism. Mm. So in Sanskrit, the Va word probably Vajrayana, Vajrayana, Va Vajrayana Buddhism, right? Yeah, probably. In in Sanskrit, the word Vajra is defined as something hard or mighty, as in a diamond. It symbolizes an impenetrable, immovable, and indestructible state of knowledge and enlightenment. Our knowledge of the Vajra goes back to deep antiquity. Texts indicate that the Vajra was not always a symbol of peace and tranquility, but something very different. It first appears in ancient, ancient India, where it was the primary weapon of the Vedic sky god Indra, the king of the Devas or Devas. According to the Hindu Puranas, the evil... Okay, hold on. Um... Okay, so this is just, again, like it's hard because it's already like two hours in and I don't want, like, it feels weird, like this podcast feels weird, but it's fine. But it's like maybe we'll like package it better because this itself is like a long article. So I don't think I'm going to get into it this time. I'm not, but we'll I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to preface and just like give you guys like a little uh, strip tease, I guess. Or the next one. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> Whoa. Don't flash anything. Yeah. Um, but I'm just going to say that it, look into that because it's considered a weapon of the gods. So Vishnu informed him that only a weapon that was neither solid nor liquid could kill Namuchi and Vritra. Vishnu had the divine carpenter uh, Tivashta fashion Indra, a marvelous weapon he could use to vanquish the dreadful Asuras. This new weapon, the Vajra, emitted thunderbolts. With it, Indra annihilated Namuchi and Vritra and returned the much-needed light and moisture back to the earth. So this was a the most powerful weapon of the universe, essentially, is what this is. And you can find it 
spread across uh, different cultures. You can find it, uh, for example, Zeus holds a lightning rod, but there are uh, pot designs and drawings of ancient Greece where it depicts Zeus holding a vajra. You have the vajra of the Sumerians. You can Google that and you'll see the ancient Sumerians holding the vajra, the same item that Elon Musk has on his bedside table. You see it in Norse mythology with Thor. Thor has a vajra. You see it in Slavic culture. You see it in Irish mythology. You see it in Chinese mythology, religion. You see it in South American cultures. You see it as a thunderstone. You see it as a thunderbolt. You, But I'll get into it on the next episode. But the what I'll say and like finish it off is that the universality of symbolism found around the world implies something else, right? It implies that weapons like the Vajra were not born from the imagination of man. They did not come into being as part of a culture's evolution. They were real, maybe. Maybe they were tangible. Mm. Someone somewhere in our remote past saw it and documented it. It is only through an actual encounter with a marvelous weapon that emitted thunder that a clear and a specific portrayal of it could be made. So it's just wild, right? It's like across different cultures, these cultures were for all we know, kind of separated from each other and they all developed the same idea. Yeah. And it's supposed to represent that duality. You know, it's supposed to represent the the weaponization of light, which is lightning, electricity. And it's supposed to represent the most beautiful form of the material world, which is a diamond. And so with this weapon, you can conquer darkness, you can win any spiritual battle. And that's why Elon Musk has it on his nightstand beside his bed. He has a revolutionary gun from the dating all the way back to George Washington, you know, probably associated with the independence of America. And then you have a gun from a video game. And then right next to it, you have a Vajra. So it's all three dimensions. And I think that that person broke it down perfectly. You know, it's the three dimensions of of stuff. Yeah, I, I want to get into that like whenever, you know, the next episode or whatever it is. But the, yeah. the idea that he doesn't, even subscribe to any religion Mm. or so he says like uh, apparently he grew up like evangelical like going to an evangelical school i think that's how you pronounce it which is like a christian Mm -hmm. uh, school i guess um but he doesn't think of himself as a religious man and this vajra is used in certain ritual practices of the like tibetan buddhism and of the vajrana buddhism which is interesting because he never he he even said like in an interview i think where he doesn't believe in prayer and he doesn't like do that kind of thing so then it makes you wonder like what why would this like very spiritual object this very Mm. you know sacred thing be on his bedside and what is the importance there and so but we could get into it another time but i kind of found like some interesting stuff yeah and then also i think that elon musk and his trolling nature i think that he's trying his best to kind of like give us little hints and clues without saying it directly so if you get his new twitter logo that he redesigned and rebranded it's an x but if you mirror two of them back to back it forms a Freemason symbol, uh, the uh, square and compass. And if you take, for example, his company SpaceX, 
his various attempts at launching rockets into space, those videos that you see of the rocket creating this weird ripple effect in the sky, almost as if it's hitting a dome, hitting a firmament. And that's not me saying that the earth is flat, but again, it's just like interesting to think about. And then you have the Simpsons movie, which the whole premise was Homer trying to escape the dome. And then you have a recent video of a TikToker who kind of like um, went to uh, interview a former writer for The Simpsons. And he asked a bunch of like questions along the lines of what do you know and what can you tell us? And one of the final re like responses of the writer was like, have you ever seen the movie? It's like, watch the movie. The mm. movie's so interesting. And so like they speak in codes because they can't really say these things. But my point is, I think Elon Musk is just... <laughs> using all of the wealth and power that he's accumulated in his young life and now he's just trying to enact some form of change and the change again like you can't force the horse to drink the water and we saw a video speaking of like a flat earth uh theory mm -hmm. conspiracy of of a bunch of different pilots kind of uh, describing their experience like flying in the air and saying that there is no curvature there's no dip and that it's a constant just flat mm -hmm. ride until landing i guess but yeah and and in one of them they said what that they we're said not yeah like we we're not allowed to talk about that like we're not allowed so they have they have knowledge of something but they're not even allowed to relay that to anyone who asks and commercial pilots are usually associated with like being part of the government branch you know like they they wear like a military attire outfit so you can't you know trust fully even what they say but something i wanted to point out about elon musk because i find it like th the same thing that you pointed out the vajra being there but then that he he has never said that he is like religious in any way or or anything like that. We mm -hmm. we see that he is trying to explore space, right, with SpaceX. And so the thing that's interesting is that I think that for sure he has this knowledge or wisdom of the things that you've been unveiling because he is known for doing a, a hand mudra I think it's called. Mm -hmm. um, that's also Buddhist, and it's it's called the Yoni or the Enlightenment Mudra. Mm -hmm. And you see him do it. You see Andrew Tate do it. You see like different people do it, and and he's done it in like uh, on podcasts or on or, or in interviews. And this is supposed to help you uh, quiet down your nervous system. Um, so that you have more control over your senses mm. and it assists you in developing inner awareness and improving your communication skills. And then in this thing just says, so you can impress everyone in the room, which is interesting because he's he's known as like one of the uh, intellectual speakers or, uh, or people of thought, right, of our generation. But then the thing I wanted to point out too is that why was the Twitter... Thing changed to literally be called X, right? Mm. So not only is the logo strange that it creates the Freemason when it's mirrored, but in Buddhism, which which I started searching because I'm like, what is with all of this like Buddhist symbolism? But in Buddhism, the letter X represents the eightfold path of enlightenment. And then wow. the eightfold path of enlightenment, if you look it up, it'll show like a, a ship steering wheel and it kind of breaks it down. So there's the right view, 
hold on i just have to amplify this picture there's the uh the right view which is knowing the truth the right intention which is free your mind of evil there is the right speech which is say nothing that hurts others the right action which is work for the good of others the right livelihood which is respect life the right effort which is resist evil right concentration which is practice meditation and then the right mindfulness which is control your thoughts and then but my point is that the letter x in buddhism literally represents this whole like Idea. Uh, this yeah this whole concept this whole like basically enlightenment journey yeah. or 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 principles that will help you in in the path of enlightenment yeah and so you i don't know like you begin to question like maybe that's so wild yeah like maybe he he has like this knowledge but he's not sharing it outwardly but he's doing it subtly by showing that he has a vajra by showing like by doing these mudras by whatever the case is but then again he could just be someone who doesn't share this with other people it's like doesn't share this like awakening this I think that it might be the the whole idea of like you have to play the game to change the game. Mm. And while you're speaking, I was like trying to come up with a like come up with a like explanation to it as well. And the only thing that I can think of is in order for him to change the world, he has to kind of play the game. And so that's why if he were to outwardly speak all these truths and all these things that he has learned, it would ostracize him from society and it might even put his life at risk. Mm, you know, because then yeah. the powers that be, like, they don't want you to directly use your platform to influence right, people right. in a positive way. And so the only way you can do it is through music, through, you know, putting little secrets in your paintings, putting little secrets in your pictures. And a perfect example of that we just watched on our reaction channel is Schindler's List. Like, he's literally disguised, well, not that he's disguising himself, but he's part, like, he Schindler associates himself with the Nazi party but he's saving Jewish people mm. by having them work in his factory, but he could never outwardly show that that's his reasoning for right. bringing all of these. He saved like, I think over just over a thousand Jewish um, individuals. Um, but Ooh. he, yeah, but he can't outwardly show that the reason that he's bringing them to work in his factory is to save them from being sent to Auschwitz, from being sent to these concentration camps. And so he just depicts like, oh, they're just workers for me. You know, I need my workers. And he has to do that because he has to play the part or else they'll just, you know, Kill him. terminate. Yeah, yeah, it's like just terminate him and then that's it. And then none of those none of those a thousand Jewish individuals would have been saved. Right. And so he had to play it smart where he disguised exactly. himself in, in, you know, in the wolf's clothing, even yeah. though he was, you know. Which is why I'll say again, like nothing is ever pure evil. And that in any place that you look, and this will be my like final uh, input before I end my part, but in every medium, you'll always find the people who are trying to help you, right? So, for example, my favorite artist, musician rather, is Mac Miller. And Mac Miller has a lotus flower on one side of his neck and he has a hawk on the other side. And both of these are like profoundly 
spiritual symbols and they have a lot of like spiritual connotations to them and in a future episode we'll like break down and like dedicate a podcast to like breaking down symbolism and these ancient spiritual teachings but my point is there's always going to be someone that's going to try to play the game and while playing the game is going to try to help you and that's what kendrick has been doing with his um big steppers and mr morale album People were saying that he's satanic for wearing the crown of thorns and for doing that performance where it seems like he's mocking, but I don't think he's mocking. I think that Kendrick Lamar is someone who recently went through a spiritual awakening and every song in that album, I've re-listened to that album. Probably it's the most re-listened album that I've ever re-listened to, even more than Mac Miller's Swimming. But in that album, it's literally him confessing all of these lessons that he has learned. Mm. and it's him reaching that crown chakra it's him reaching the christ consciousness it's him becoming enlightened and he produced music that helps whoever is on that path they'll realize it and i can realize it and that's why i'm pointing it out to you and then now when you re-listen to it and you try to really listen to it you'll understand and then the same with like directors um for movies and you have musicians and you have there's always going to be like a leading person that is playing the game uh, for everybody seeing everybody who looks but on a deeper level they're trying to change everything on a fundamental level yeah and that's what i vow to do with this podcast and that's what i want to do even if i have to play the game of creating viral clips playing the game of having some episodes be more topical about things that are happening but always always on every episode I'm always going to just be satisfied if I'm able to just sneak in a little bit of like a little, a little crumb. (laughs) No, in Callie's case, it's a lot of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of crumbs. Thank you for that backhanded compliment. No, it's a Um, good thing. That's my point. Why are you taking it so personal? No, I'm not. I think it's a good thing. I'm saying like you, you, you're not stingy with what you, you know? Yeah, I'm not scared. And it's what I told you too. Like, it's kind of a scary feeling that when I'm in that space, I'm not even scared of dying. Mm-hmm. It's like I can go out and I'll go out just f- like gracefully kind of. I won't be fearful of death. And it's just a wild place to be in. And that's one of the reasons why, just one of the reasons, and again, I just scratched the surface on this episode, but it's one of the reasons why I had such a fundamentally eye-opening spiritual awakening is what I'm calling it for myself. And it's when you realize that none of the material kind of matters but it doesn't bring you to nihilism per se it brings you to just a freeing sense of life yeah it's like i today like i just went outside and took my dog to pee and poop and we just sat on the grass and just like i just stared at him and he stared at me i stared at the sun and he stared at the sun and it's like i was just in the moment and it's those moments that i'll remember forever it's like those small little moments Mm-hmm. So that when he passes, I'll remember those moments instead of anything else. But my point is that like that's the big realization is that none of this material stuff matters. And even the stuff that we say, I ask that you don't follow it anything averbatum, like don't follow anything blindly. Just listen to things that resonate with your soul and then just look into further, like look into it further. Yeah, it really, on your own. Yeah. And then I'll just say this that another look if you want to find god all i'll say is start in the east start with eastern philosophy more specifically buddhism sanskrit uh vedic teachings ancient um, indian teachings 
because everyone that achieves anything in this life substantial on a spiritual level has kind of like come across that and just one fun fact tying it full circle for me on my end at least one of steve jobs last gifts was left in a brown box and handed out at his memorial service inside the brown box was a copy of autobiography of a yogi written by hindu guru paramahansa yogananda which is the guy that i mentioned earlier and it's just full circle moment because this is steve jobs one of the creative uh outliers of our generation you know he'll be mentioned amongst the greats it's walt disney steve jobs albert einstein Oppenheimer. it's like all of these like people who did some some of them did horrible things and some of them did great things but nevertheless substantial yeah after his death and i think that like towards the end of his life he probably had this realization that all of this beautiful like abundance in material possessions and accumulations did nothing for him and then he sought out uh spiritual salvation and then i think that he achieved it right before he died and um i'll just say that and then just watch the documentary it was on netflix it's called awaken and you won't regret it any of the stuff that i recommended but yeah that's all for me even though it was like a pretty jumbled podcast but maybe people like it who knows yeah yeah i want to apologize on my end because i was just you know yeah i don't no, but know you but you did great and it's just the first one back and then we'll like yeah. over time we'll like just i'm gonna go beat myself up after this no but you shouldn't because even that goes against everything we like oh, spoke no no about. i'm just that's why i'm kidding i'm laughing but but typically i would like walk away from an episode like this and i would have just extreme anxiety and just no nah. But it's okay. I'm going to tell myself it's okay. And I'm glad that you kind of like took the wheel and that you spoke on everything. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's all for me, folks. All right. Um, so if you guys enjoyed this episode, uh, the best way to let us know and to support this podcast, support us as creators, support the show is by doing all that beautiful YouTube stuff, which is liking and subscribing and sharing and dropping a comment and let us know if you liked it, if you hated it, if you hate my guts, if you hate my face, just let me know. I'll appreciate that. Um, and with that being said, don't forget that it's never wrong. To be mentally gone. Peace, Peace to, to the, the world. world.